Here it is. Again. One, two, three, four! I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. And I'm Joseph. Welcome to the August-September 1979 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. Close your eyes and imagine this. Uh When we are in season nine of this podcast and we're trudging through the overly produced, homogenized, new wave synth pop <laughs> crap that the labels were churning out in 1985, yeah. we are going to sigh and look back longingly to episodes like this one, August, yeah. September of 1979. I mean, Boy. these are the really are the salad days of post-punk new wave music. I am I am really looking forward to today's episode and now suddenly really dreading 1985. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still going to be fun, Joseph. We're still going to love it. Yeah. We'll, we'll cross <laughs> that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, 1979 just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Uh, you know, and while... Uh, There may not be a title released in August, September that quite matches the one-two punch of Joy Division and B-52s from the last episode. I'd say overall, this batch is even stronger than last episodes. I mean, I'd call like six of the nine albums that we're examining essential, like must-have to have a respectable uh, collection of, of this type of music. So first up, um, Fear of Music by the Talking Heads. <laughs> yeah, boy, yeah. talk about essential. <laughs> that's right, that's right. This is a song called Paper. On the paper, up to the light, pass right through. Expose yourself. Yeah, I've got shivers already, you know? Talking <laughs> Heads is just one of, well, it's one of our favorite bands, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to be talking a lot about them uh, in this episode. Yeah, Pretty and stuff. this is, if I remember correctly, your prediction was that this would be voted the number one album of 1979. That's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, well... Okay, we, we got business to, to get to before we dive into this album. But this this really is probably my favorite Talking Heads album. I, yeah. I love this album so much. I'm 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 feeling it. I'll just say that much. And we'll get into how much I'm feeling it in a little bit. <laughs> I think there's one album 
that we're going to talk about today, two, two albums that we're going to talk about today that I'm not connecting with, but all the rest of them, I just like love. Yeah. And a couple of real surprises, not like completely out of the blue, but just not what I expected um, or remembered. And oh my gosh, oh, yeah. this is extraordinary extraordinary music coming out at this time for I've sure. definitely I've definitely noticed that listening to these songs with with older more mature I don't know about more mature but definitely older ears um <laughs> that I'm I'm looking at all this in a whole different light and I I have more of an appreciation for it this is a really solid playlist tonight one of the best so far yeah. really yeah. one of the best Okay, first things first, uh, I want to remind everybody that we are talking about music, music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. Uh, this is an opinion show, but even so, we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated, because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. Speaking of which, Professor Rob, what was going on in... Oh. Actually, before we do that, we should mention um, we are tackling August and September, mm -hmm. but very weird sort of way the way they played out. <laughs> we could only identify two albums uh, relevant to this podcast that were released in August and then just a buttload in September. So what we're doing is this episode we are tackling August and half of the September output. And then in two weeks, we will tackle the other half of the September output, which means uh, no deep dive uh, this, this month. So for now, for this episode, we are, as far as our history lesson, we are just going to look at August. So, yep. Rob, what was going on of interest in August of 1979? A whole bunch of craziness, Joseph. So the U.S. hits, uh, number one U.S. hits were Bad Girls by Donna Summer, Good Times by Chic, uh, My Sharona by The Knack, of course. Yeah. Um, movies of note at the time were Amityville Horror, Apocalypse Now, and The Life of Brian, one of my favorites. Some debuting TV shows were Facts of Life and Heart to Heart. And notable events that were happening, Hurricane David killed 1,200 people. Uh, also, the first recorded occurrence of a comet hitting the sun. It released an energy equal to 1 million hydrogen bombs. Wow. That yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yep. Not, not to mention all the great music we're listening to right now. <laughs> yeah yeah oh man i i am so excited to 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 talk about fear of music but uh one quick little thing just want to um uh, just uh, uh talk for a quick second about the b-52s episode oh yes was yes, that yes. a blast or wow. what <laughs> what a great time those guys were so cool um, yeah, I, I think yeah, that we were. need to just make sure that we have them back, you know, maybe yeah. we should do like a, a, a special on the uh, Austin, Texas music scene and we'll have these guys back to kind of, you know, to kind of join in. I don't know, but they were so cool. Good, yeah, good yeah, guys. they were. I mean, and we we clicked uh, 
like instantly and our conversation i mean the recording session was like three hours 20 minutes it's well almost almost half of our stuff i had to cut out um but we will definitely um release a bonus episode at some point where we include a lot more of the conversations that we we had with them about the b-52s we just and, and we just kept talking i mean we kept talking about stuff that wasn't necessarily the b-52s yeah. it was yeah. it was fantastic good connections yeah 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 fantastic anything you want to touch base with before we go into um uh talking heads fear of music uh, incidentally the correct answer to that question is no. Yeah, uh, the only thing I have to talk about is uh, Talking Heads Fear of Music right at the moment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Talking Heads Fear of Music uh, was released, of course, in August of 1979. Of course, we know the band. They were formed in 1975. Uh, David Byrne, Chris Franz, Tina Weymouth, and Jerry Harrison. Uh, we know that they are pioneers of new wave. Okay, these guys are already heavy hitters. Fear of Music was their third album, and it was recorded on Sire Records uh, and produced by Brian Eno. Again, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, why not, mm-hmm. right? He did such a great job the, the last time. Uh, it reached twenty-one on Billboard two hundred and number thirty-three on the UK album charts, and it got considerable praise for David Byrne's vocal performances. Um, that guy is a dynamo with the vocals. Um, it seems to me he's always playing with the vocals, always trying to, you know, get optimal sound and optimal effects. So um, when this band was putting this album together, it was it was their goal to kind of break new ground. OK, they wanted to do something a bit different than what they did last time. They wanted something new and, and almost futuristic sounding. So they they combined all their strengths and all their artistic vision and managed to manage to they managed to keep their old sound somehow and yet added like this new quirky quality that that kind of they intended to really just keep listeners on their toes they really kind of wanted to agitate and shake things up a little bit so you'll you'll hear that throughout uh, the singles on this album include life during wartime uh izimbra and cities um, but if you ask me songs like paper and the uh, the tunes uh, memories can't wait are they're all like super strong tracks um oh oh without yeah. a doubt i mean this is if you know if you just like ad hoc ask me to list my 10 favorite uh talking head songs i'm not certain that i would even name a song off of this album uh-huh. but they are all eights and nines there is not a dog i mean it's not even that there isn't a dog in the bunch there isn't one that that is like falls short of being sort of um a minor masterpiece yeah Uh, i I, this is this is probably my favorite talking heads album now you you're familiar with their entire catalog so Uh, yeah is there, I mean, my inclination is that this is the Talking Heads sort of darkest, most paranoid album. Mm. Is there any <laughs> disputing that? I, I can't think of anything that even I, comes close. I, mean, I think that is a very correct uh, observation. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's right there in the title of the album. <laughs> Fear of music. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, and 
And, you know, as we, we've already learned that um, an album filled with eights and nines is way better than an album with three or four tens. Um, it's just That's right. More That's solid. right. And a, and a bunch of twos and threes. Yeah, so Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I just love so many songs on this album. I uh, even down to the final track, Drugs, which is the, mm -hmm. uh, in my mind, the perfect way to end the, the album. Yeah. You know? Um, it was a perfect cap to it, but yeah, but yeah, such a great, great album. You know, you and I have, um, for the most part, very different sensibilities when it comes to lyrical content, as far uh -huh. as what resonates with you as opposed to me. Yeah. So I'm much more like Elvis Costello. You're much more like Patti Smith. Yep. Um, I, I, I mean, would you agree with that? I don't yeah, want yeah. to put words no, in your mouth, but that's absolutely. so. You know but, me well enough. <laughs> yeah, but I think that that when it comes to David Byrne, we we have we're on common ground, right? Sure I enough. mean, yeah. this guy is a brilliant lyricist. His his songs are never about what the title says they're about. <laughs> so paper isn't about paper. No. It's about the futility of love affairs yeah exactly <laughs> and the frailty of love affairs so and i just i never know what the songs are really about and that's okay with yeah. me i mean yeah. he, he, it's it's so interesting this, this guy is working on so many different levels all at the same time okay so we heard paper that was your pick um mm -hmm. top of the show so um, my pick for this album is one of sort of the weirdest, darkest, most paranoid songs, um, which is just, I just love, this is my kind of goth. This is my kind of like dark brooding type music. Um, so electric guitar is... Why don't you tune that electric guitar? this song is an example um is an example but but the album as a whole is dark is mm, is mm. kind of icy cold yeah you know and uh i i have i mean i know that that's what talking heads wanted to do but i also think that brian eno was kind of pushing in that direction too as, as a producer and uh man good job yeah <laughs> Did did we mention that this is Pitchfork's number thirty one best album of the seventies? We did not. Okay, but, but so, now we have. 
now now we have indeed. So yeah, that was talking heads with fear of music, and um, I am just going to come out and say that this is on my top ten list, Joseph. It's uh, it's already there. <laughs> yeah, I I can't imagine my list not containing this. Um, yeah. but I I have said that more than ten times already, and we still have. A third of the year to get through <laughs> um but really this is ah, ah. Yeah. it's from my favorite new wave band it's probably my favorite talking heads album so um i feel like i'm on pretty solid ground when i yeah. say that this is going to be in my top five yeah. Well, if anybody hasn't out there hasn't heard this album, listen to it all the way through. It is amazing from beginning to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the second notable album released in August of 1979. From an, you know, another album from a band that is in my top ten or my top two favorite new wave bands. I'm in heaven right now. We yeah, are I bet. we are talking about <laughs> albums for my my two very favorite new wave bands. So Ecstasy releases their third album called Drums and Wires. Um, the big hit off of this, uh, and really sort of their their first, well, probably their most famous song, um, it, uh, is off of this album called Making Plans for Nigel. We, of course, spent a lot of time talking about this album when Mark Fisher joined us for our Ecstasy Deep Dive. So we have already heard Real by Real and Complicated Game off of this album. Uh, this is Pitchfork's um, 38th best album of the 1970s. Pace, number 34, best of the 1970s. And it was the first Ecstasy album released in the U.S. Oh, that's right. Cool. So laying a little knowledge down on you. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> so if I remember correctly, you are, this is, you are not as hot on this album as an ecstasy album as i am but yeah. you like it just fine right yeah i do i like it just fine in fact um i probably like it a little bit better than i did mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. you know when we first covered ecstasy but um no i i'd like it okay it's it is not my favorite album but it's it's a good one yeah yeah um i just i feel like I've talked about this album so much that I don't really have anything more to say about it other than it's excellent. So this is this is um this is actually one of those albums that gosh may not make my top 10 for for this year. I I said for certainty that every ecstasy album would would make it, but now I'm just looking at all of these extraordinary albums and I'm not sure, but would we'll, would we'll just have to see. So what is the song that you picked uh, from this album to feature tonight? Well, you know, it's it's interesting because I obviously I had a lot of songs to choose from and a lot of songs I, I really wanted to hear. Um, mm -hmm. But I picked I picked Helicopter. I'm crouching here with a telescope in hand Looking up to 
I don't know why I gravitated to this tune so much, but as far as the song goes, to me, it, it sounds it, it sounds like a guy with sour grapes, like he's mm. disapproving of how this uh, how this girl's going around town and talking. And as far as the lyrics and the music, I think it's kind of a great example of, of well, Vandy Partridge's songwriting, for one, um, and the band's ability to work together to to kind of create mm-hmm. like this high energy story. But but mm-hmm. I, I really dug it. I kind of got into it. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is the the first of their albums where um, they feel, to me, and this is totally subjective, obviously, they, they feel like they're really on solid ground. And they've, mm-hmm. they've figured out the direction that they want to go in. And they're they're much more focused and dialed in to what ecstasy is about. Um, and helicopter, I mean, what a catchy song! Yeah, wow, that's a, that's just a a really <laughs> bouncy, a gr- kind of a tough sounding as far as the sound of it, but 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 not abrasive, and uh, just like a really sort of aggressive muscular pop song uh and, which is really the best kind of pop song as far and very as visual concerned. yeah and very visual yeah yeah, yeah a- absolutely so that is um drums and wires the third release by ecstasy it will probably be on my top 10 um <laughs> gosh i hope so it would yeah i would be so bummed if it didn't make it but i'm just Every episode, I'm discovering these these new albums that um, are extraordinary. So we will we will just have to see, but definitely needs to be in the mix. Needs to yeah. be in consideration um, when you're putting together your top ten list. It is a contender for sure. What what about you? My, my guess is probably not. Probably um, going to fall short yeah, for you. Probably not. I, you know, the thing is, is I. Again, I really enjoyed the album so much more this time around. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but I know that there are so many more albums out there that I personally love and have a connection for. So it's I don't see it making my top ten, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess that takes us into the next album. Um, yeah. So we are we are into September now. September of nineteen seventy nine sees Buzzcocks third studio album produced by Martin Russian, also known for producing uh, Human League, one of my favorites, The Go-Go's, The Stranglers, and Generation X. Um, most tracks of this album were written by Pete Shelley, um, with the exception of, I think, three. So he, he did most of the album. Um, 
the album charted at number 26 in the UK and number 163 in the US. And critics gave it kind of a mixed bag of reviews, apparently. Uh, one critic, by the way, Joseph, said that it suffered from repetitiveness with reworked riffs and static similar tempos. But he also called it their most formidable album yet. <laughs> uh, another critic called it the the best of their first three albums. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, we, uh, of course, spent some time talking about this album when yeah. we did our deep dive on Buzzcocks with Will. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty sure that I rated this as my favorite Buzzcocks album. Uh -huh. And, you know, the the quote that you just gave from that the the critic yeah. um i totally i totally agree with but it's still my favorite of of their albums i really like the sort of like drony trancey feel of yeah. the of side two um and that is that those are typically when i use those words to describe music it's what i don't like about it but right. <laughs> for some reason when the buzzcocks do when buzzcocks do it um it is i it just totally works for me i i kind of love this album it's a little it's definitely more uneven than the first two yeah um, yeah it is but the the sonics there there's a giant leap forward uh, between their last album and this one, as far as the the sonics of the recording and just the the production, um, the studio production on this album, um, just very very sophisticated sounding for this kind of music. I uh, I kind of kind of love this album. Now the song that you picked is. Not an example of what I love about this album. <laughs> I, I think it's okay, but but it's very sort of like like a rock and roll yeah. song, much yeah. more than like most of the stuff on side two. So what uh, what song did you pick off of this album? Uh, I picked Raison, Raison d'Etre. Uh, for those of you that uh, don't speak very poor French like I do, um, it means reason for being. Raison d'Etre was supposed to originally be on their second album, Love Bites, mm, um, mm -hmm, but it got mm -hmm. cut and put on this one. And and uh, it was also used as a B-side to the single, you, you Say You Don't Love Me. But it definitely mm -hmm. has, like you said, more of a rock feel to it. So I could totally mm -hmm. see how it just doesn't really fit on this album necessarily, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's part of the unevenness, I think, of this album. Yeah, yeah. So... 
I don't think we mentioned the songs that we have already heard off of this album. No, no, we haven't. When we did our top 10 punk bands episode in season one, when I talked about Buzzcocks, I uh, played a song off of this album, uh, actually the title track, A Different Kind of Tension. And then during our deep dive on Buzzcocks, we heard the songs I Believe in Money. Mm-hmm. Anything else about no. this album? It, um, is, it, it is a great album. It, yeah. It really is. Yeah. I'm, I am definitely a fan of the, song, of the album. And uh, yeah, it's a bit uneven, but I, I kind of like that. Uh, and, and me, I also kind of like that ritualistic droning that you, you brought up early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as whether or not it's going to be on my top 10 list, Joseph, uh, I have to say Buzzcocks, different kind of tension is likely not to make it. Um, if if it gets on there, it's because one of my diehard favorites has somehow let me down and I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you? Ooh, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. It it feels weird to me that it's it's my favorite Buzzcock album, but last year one of their other albums made my top ten, but this year it won't. Yeah. Which seems weird to me, but there's just extraordinary albums coming yeah. out. Extraordinary. No, there's more, more We're gonna this year. Yeah, we are gonna talk about a couple this episode that um, came out up out of the blue that I'm seriously considering for for my top That's 10. That's cool to hear. <laughs> so let's move on to Gary Newman's, um, well, the first Gary Newman album released yeah, as right. Gary Newman and not as, as Tubeway Army. Um, this was... His like big international breakthrough. The um, the song "Cars" is the song that he is known for around the world. It is a new wave classic, for sure. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I mean, I like the song, but I've heard it so many times. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know, um, his the. The uh, album that Tubey Armory released earlier in 1979, uh, Replicas, uh, actually hit number one in the UK. So this, um, like, almost instantly went to number one in the UK, and um, Cars broke through here in the the US, and because of that. Um, this album did really well here in the U.S. First time any of us Yanks really knew who Gary Newman was. Um, and I, this is definitely his most famous album and probably his most beloved as well. And I don't think I'm ever going to be over the moon about Gary Newman. Mm. I, I'm not familiar with his entire catalog, but... But um, I like this album, and yeah, I I, I just I I like it. 
but I don't love it. But I, 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 it's shaping up that you are a much bigger Gary Newman fan yeah. than than I am. I think. I mean, yeah, I, I, I really appreciate his his unique the unique thing that he's doing, total trailblazer. But yeah, I just. I was surprised at how kind of bored I was with this. That's interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's. I need a little more drive, a little bit. If 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 you're going to do, um, like this, like straight synth keyboard music, um, to to captivate me, uh, it just needs the songwriting needs to be a little bit stronger. Um, and the pop elements need to be honed a little bit better. I mean, I will. I, 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 it's it's not like I inherently don't like this approach to new wave pop, but I'm much more of like an OMD kind of guy, you uh -huh. know, where the where their their pop craftsmanship just to me just feels a lot stronger than than Gary Newman, but. Um, it just it feels to me like he leans very heavily on his like vocal quirk stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which which just doesn't quite resonate with me I think as much as it does with you. I'll have to I'll have to say that you got that right. Um it it's surprising me that I'm shaping up to be such a Gary Newman fan. Um, mm -hmm. and every time I hear another album of his, I am even more surprised at like, what the hell have I been doing? Not listening to this guy. So, but yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm glad that you're here to represent. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and this is the pretty much they've dropped the guitars at this point. Um, but there, there are a, a couple of songs that have a little bit of a nice like bass groove to it so and of course no surprise those are the songs that i uh kind of gravitate to the most so i i really did enjoy the song um films so uh let's let's listen to that probably my favorite um song off of this album I think this is such a great song. Uh, it's it's okay. First of all, it's no surprise that the song films isn't actually about movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Gary Newman said that it was about his his own like paranoia and the danger that he saw lur lurking around every corner on every stranger's face in the city, and uh, and I think that is very fascinating as I'm listening to the song, listening to the. Uh, the the metaphors and you know it's it's boy that guy's mind i think i think you know i think gary needs help but i think that his song is pretty cool <laughs> um as far as that uh i chose a song that that i think joseph you should probably enjoy uh, i, I do yeah 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 um i pick conversation oh it's so easy 
So this is a this, this is a doomed love affair song, right? Am yeah. I am I yeah. getting that right? It's a, <laughs> Definitely. It's a, it's a nice little angle that he comes in on uh, to you know talk about a failed love affair, which is you know inherently not terribly interesting. But he's he's got a nice little twist to it, uh, which which I I found pretty engaging. Um, you know, it's one of the things that I felt you probably had, one of the things I felt you might be into is the fact that there's a really cool violin solo in there. Um, mm. You know, there's yeah. instruments other than just yeah. synth. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's kind of cool. It's got some strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So that is uh, Gary Newman's uh, first release as Gary Newman called The Pleasure Principle and his third release overall um, is by far his uh, most popular album. I do anticipate that it's going to uh, show up on a lot of mm -hmm. our listeners' uh, top 10 lists. Not mine, uh, but it's, it is a, a pretty good album. I anticipate that it's it's going to end up being my favorite Gary Newman album, but I, I'm just I I'm looking forward to exploring some of some of his his later releases as well. Yeah. Well I have to say that it it's probably my favorite Gary Newman album and I can't see myself liking any of the uh, any of the others any better. Um, but also I don't really seeing it hitting my top ten. Um, mostly because, again, there's just so much out there. I, I, I mean, Talking Heads is definitely going to be on that list. I can't imagine Gary no, Newman making yeah. it. It's it's a lot, big shoes to fill, you know. Uh, the next album I am so excited about. This is one that caught me off guard. Um, so this is the uh, debut album by Gang of Four. So Gang of Four actually made my top 10 punk uh, list, but I didn't realize that I had never actually heard this album. I just had like a best of compilation of their stuff. Oh, yeah. And this is, this first album is a lot more punk than I was anticipating. I they th This is a band that, that, morphs pretty fast as far as their sound in the direction. I mean, they, they always kind of sound like gang of four, but mm -hmm. um, I, I'm pretty sure that this is by far their sort of punk -iest album. Um, and they're, they're, they're going to veer into more like disco isn't quite the right word, but like club dance stuff. Yeah. And so I think when I was listening to them, I was listening to compilations that had the songs mixed up. And so I didn't get a sense that there was ever an album that was like this straightforward as far as like punk, post-punk. And I love, love, love this album. Uh, this yeah. this one, <laughs> I, I was looking forward to it. I knew that I was going to like it. I knew that I was going to like it a lot, but I, I, I mean, th this is one that I the, is is almost certainly going to going to make my top ten. He says for the 
fifteenth time. Um, <laughs> the, I get so excited when I listen to this album. I have to say that it it's it surprised me because I don't remember listening to Gang of Four. I remember the name, mm-hmm. but I don't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really tell you if I'd ever heard one of their songs. Um, and I'm pretty sure that I have, but uh, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them quite a bit. This this album was just one that I I found kind of, you know, joy after joy every time I heard a song. It was just it's such good stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it it made our playlist tonight. Yeah, I I kind of love every song off of this mm-hmm. album. Um, mm-hmm. This is such a strong set of songs. Um, I'm not the only one who thinks that. Um, there are a fair amount of accolades for this album. So Rolling Stone thinks it's the uh, fifth greatest punk album of all time. They also think it's the 483rd greatest of all, all time overall. Pitchforks uh, thinks it's the eighth best album of the 70s. And Pop Matters says it is the number one post-punk album of all time. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. We have uh, already heard uh, one of the songs off of this album. So when we did our top 10 punk uh, I featured the song At Home, He's a Tourist. Mm-hmm. It was the first of their songs um, that I was familiar with. And I think that maybe, w- was was that the song that they performed on Erg, a music war? Oh, I, I can't, that's I can't right. remember. I can't remember either, but I do remember they, that. Uh. They, yeah, they, they definitely performed a song. Yeah, and I think it was at at home. Uh, he's a tourist, but I could be wrong about that. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so what is the song that you picked, and why? Yeah, well, parent, you know, I, I think it had to had to be my favorite song on the whole album. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose a song called "I Found That Essence Rare." songs um off the album uh really very uh, um driving kind of a hard-hitting sound to it uh which Mm -hmm. i really like but um doesn't feature some of the elements that make them uh like stand out to me as far as being totally unique so um to to illustrate like some of the the elements that they are are using in this album that 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 don't sound like anything else being released at the time um i picked a song called 
Guns Before Butter. I see that. I understand why you chose this. It's a great song. And Mm -hmm. to me, Guns Before Butter kind of feels like a blend of it's like it's like the transition from punk into new wave almost. Whereas Mm -hmm. I found that essence rare to be a a pretty Mm -hmm. straightforward punk song. Mm -hmm. Um, But but Guns Before Butter is a great tune. You know, when I when I listen to this song and this album in general, um, I I often think back to the conversation that you and Will and I had uh, when we were talking about punk versus uh, grunge. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of listing off the, 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 the elements of punk that made me love it so much. So the like high energy aggression, which this album has in spades, as mm-hmm. we've just heard. Oh, yeah. Um, the fun humor, I, 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 I wouldn't say there's a lot of humor, um, in what they do, but they, but I still find this album really fun. So the fun is not so much in the lyrics, um, (laughs) but it's in the energy of the music and there, there's particularly the guitars and the way that a lot of a lot of the guitar parts are executed is pretty, pretty funny, pretty fun. Um, and then the third element is sort of the political <laughs> social um, aspect of punk, which gang of four has in spades. Oh, I mean, yeah, that totally. is their That's... like secret weapon. They are yeah. so dialed into it. I, I just, I love their social political commentary, super sharp, super duper sharp in that in that area they're just definitely they're top thing. notch yeah for sure so that is gang of Force, a debut album called entertainment explanation point um i i hope it makes my top 10 i i just i really think that it will this is i am astonished that this is the first time i've heard this album and um, I'm bummed that I I didn't have it when I was a teenager because um, it is absolutely essential, an essential album. We, I, I mentioned that there's six albums of these nine that are essential. Uh, this is definitely one of them, for sure. Uh, what about you? Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to have to say that it's not going to make it. I mean, again, really? I enjoyed the album. Yeah. Wow. I, I enjoyed the album. You know, anything can happen. Let me just say that. But but there's so much going on. I mean, the, our next episode is full of music that I love. Uh, episodes down the way are full of of music that i love it's you know it's just gonna be hard it's it's hard to say right now let me just give you that much <laughs> that leads us into our next album this heat uh the band is this heat with their album this heat and uh, before we get into it i do want to say thank you to sean for bringing this album up to us uh it was a a great addition to tonight's playlist so uh, shout out to one of our listeners. Thanks yeah, again. Yeah. The band was uh, formed in Camberwell, London in 1976. Um, they're very experimental and they consist of uh, Charles Bullen, uh, Charles Hayward, um, Gareth Williams, and uh, they put out two studio albums and one EP. Very short career for these folks, unfortunately. Their first album, This Heat, came out in, of course, September of 79 under Piano Records. Produced by Anthony Moore, who's predominantly an experimental rock composer, and Flying Lizards band leader David Cunningham. Um, this uh, this Heat also was part of that produ producing the album. Uh, Peter Marsh from BBC Music said that this album was one of the strongest and strangest debut records of all time. And I gotta say, I agree with him. <laughs> I I really did enjoy this album, but it is unlike anything I've ever heard before. And I think I probably said that three or four times over the uh, the length of this this podcast. But this is one of those bands, definitely an experimental band, and, and fantastic, very interesting. So, what do you feel about these guys, Joseph? Not connecting to it at yeah, all. Yeah, I thought you not, might say not that. at all. I mean, yeah, I, I am very interested to hear that it was produced uh, or partially produced by someone from Flying Lizards because yeah, um, I was as I was going through. I I find this album a drudge. This is not my kind of music. Um, mm -hmm. But as I was thinking about, well, what other bands have we heard that? are similar to this throbbing gristles seems obvious um the pop group um uh the um alternative tv second album vibing mm -hmm. up the senile man and the second half of the flying lizards album yeah. um those those are my four like touch points yeah and i would say that this is pretty good i mean it is there's more for me to latch on to than like Flying Gristles or um, Vibing Up the Senile Man. Um, I I think I would take the Pop Group's album over this album because there's really not much funk in here. There's very little vocals. I, th I think the song that we're going to listen to is one of the only songs with... Um, substantial vocals to it yeah is, yeah is that right yeah well interesting i mean interesting thing about the song too and and uh well so just to let you know i picked the song twilight furniture but in that song i kind of feel like the vocals were almost recorded as an afterthought 
<laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, you'll, you'll hear that. Uh, I think you'll, you'll probably be able to, to, to know what I'm talking about, but you're right. It's yeah. <laughs> Vocals were not their thing necessarily. To me, it feels like well, maybe way off base. Um, this of course, totally subjective, but to me, this sounds like a bunch of intellectual exercises there it doesn't feel ironically enough uh given the name of the album and the band it doesn't feel like there's a lot of heat here um it feels like it's <laughs> like all head no heart um are do you fundamentally disagree with me on that um um i don't you know i don't know that i agree with you uh, it's the way I'm looking at it is here's a bunch of performance artists and they're doing their thing. And, and so mm-hmm. I think their heart is definitely in it. But as far as the intellectual headspace, I think that's true. Um, I mean, there's, there's nothing here that, that you would describe. Are there any songs that you would describe as unhinged? Unhinged. No, I wouldn't say that. So, I go so that like, far. that's a word that I would use for like the pop group. And yeah, or throbbing vessel. Uh, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so that, like, for the pop group, uh, the unhinged quality gives it a little bit more spark, a little bit more heat. I hate to continue mm-hmm. to use that word, but that's what's <laughs> popping up to, uh, into mind. Anyways, let's let's go ahead and, and hear your pick. Uh, what's it called again? Yeah, this is Twilight Furniture. Keep in mind, this is totally experimental music. Uh, and again, I'm not even sure that the music was used during the recording of the vocals. I, I think that the vocals might have been, again, an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't really knock this, though. I, I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I have this uh, feeling that if you smoke a lot of weed, any song on this <laughs> album is going to sound incredible to you. <laughs> right. Well, I would, I would definitely take this al- album over... <laughs> Um, what I've heard of the throbbing gristles. I mean, this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this is more structured than anything the throbbing gristles has released up to, up until this point. Definitely. Um, and Definitely. it is it feels a lot more legit than vibing up the senile man, which is yeah. kind of turned into my punching bag when I talk about Aww. this kind of music. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say. Uh, so this is this heat's album, this heat, and I'm gonna have to say that it's not gonna make my top ten list this year. Uh, it's probably no surprise, but uh, and it's probably no surprise that you probably feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to the other album off of this list. Um, that leaves me cold. Uh, it's not bad, 
but it yeah. is the debut album by a um, Berkeley, California band called The Motels. So this album, um, uh, eponymously titled Motels, is was um, not a breakthrough for them. Uh, if you know the motels, you know that they, they had a couple of pretty monster hits a couple of years later. Um, Suddenly Last Summer and Take the L. Um, right, right. And yeah. I, I think maybe even one or two more. So, so they have a, a very distinct sound that isn't honed um, on this album yet. I, I would say that they're not quite ready for prime time. <laughs> um, and so I mentioned this was a, um, a band out of Berkeley, California. So they were signed with Capitol Records on May 12th of 1979. They began recording this album two days later and released it on September 17th. So super <laughs> duper duper fast turnaround. Yeah, well. Like, what a turnaround. <laughs> like, that sounds like a record to me. <laughs> um, you know, didn't get any traction here in the United States, but the, the, the single Total Control was a pretty substantial hit in um, Australia and France. Well, okay. So where are you at with this album? My my sense is that uh, you're probably about at the same place that I am. Yeah, yeah. This was the album on the playlist that I was not crazy about. Um, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I don't know. Listening to it, I guess they're okay, but it it sounds like I don't know. It sounds kind of like definitely like a freshman uh, venture. You know, like this is this is them before they they're matured and before they're they, before they really figured out what they're doing. Oh, um, especially in the songwriting department. I, yeah, I just... Especially in the songwriting department. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I will go on to love the motels, uh, mm -hmm. but this album is definitely not it. It's not it. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was surprised when I heard it. Because they, they have such a strong, like, identifying sound that yeah. is, you only hear little bits of it in this album. It's sort of like, you know, when we listen to The Tourists, you know, and, and thinking about Annie Lennox and mm -hmm. um, Dave, uh, what's his name? <laughs> I'm blanking on his last name. Stewart. Dave yeah. Stewart going on to do you know, the arrhythmics, you can hear the building blocks there, but it's like, it's just, just enough to tease you, you know, and, and whet your appetite for what you know is coming, but man, oh, yeah. it is not here. So the song that I picked, Kicks with an X, so that's K-I-X, is really the only song that I found remotely compelling. To be fair, I've only listened to this album maybe four times, four or five times.
Yeah, the song's okay, but I gotta say it's when I think about what the band does, or what even just what just the the vocalist Martha Davis does later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. This is it's a far cry from you know from great. So oh oh totally. So yeah. so the songs that that make the motel famous are not like high energy songs. They're more no, like torch songs, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and so the fact that for me, the song that is working as a high energy song just goes to show that they they are not dialed into their essence yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that is the Motels debut album, simply titled Motels. Um, I suppose it might make somebody's list, but I highly doubt it. Not yeah. not recommended. Not awful, um, and it's kind of fun to hear little mm-hmm. bits of what we will come to love about the motels poking through. But this is this is not an essential album. Moving along, we're gonna we're gonna listen to Fashion's album Product Perfect. Um, now this album came out in July of '79 in the UK, and then in September of '79 in the US. Uh, Fashion was originally called Fashion Music. Uh, They were founded in Birmingham in 1978. And it was John Mulligan on bass and synth. Dick Davis was on drums. Al James on guitar and lead vocals. Now, these guys ended up changing their names so that they had really cool cool nicknames over the years. I'm not going to get into that. Uh, (laughs) But they... uh, they they started their own own label at first called Fashion Music, and they came out with three singles. And over the next several years, um, well, let me let me just say after that they had three singles, and that kind of kickstarted them and, and got them going. Um, and they went through, oh gosh, over the the years that they that they had, were recording, they had uh, the they had roster changes like crazy. In fact, from 1979 to 1984, each of their three albums would have a different lead vocalist. Um, so a lot of different, you know, a lot of different sounds came out of this band. Um, but, and, and the fact that over the years they went from a trio to a, a six piece band. Uh, this is the only album with Al James, AKA Luke James, uh, on it and uh the lead it, it singer. had yeah the lead singer excuse me yeah. the uh, uh, lead on lead vocals mm-hmm. and i have to say it had more of a punk sound uh even though the band would go on to sound more like a, a solid new wave band mm-hmm. uh, product perfect was was actually recorded by the way on irs uh, irs records um they only use their own their own label to to do the the singles but um IRS picked them up and uh, kind of put them in a very prominent spot. So, you know, they even, um, they, Duran Duran opened for these guys at one point, mm. which I find, find to be kind of cool. Um, and they ended up becoming big enough that they played, they toured with U2, they toured with Police, uh, Joy Division, one of my favorites, John Cooper Clark, and, uh, and again, one of our favorites, the B-52s. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Well, you're throwing all kinds of facts at me. I have no idea 
how you feel about this album. Tell yeah. me. Yeah, well, I am getting you... there. Okay. I am getting there. All uh, right. I I actually kind of love this album. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I I find it. I, I find it, now. I'm going to tell you, I actually snuck ahead and listened to more of their stuff, but this album, I like that, that kind of punk sound to it. Um, I like the energy behind it. And, uh, you know, I like a hand, I, I like a handful of the songs a lot. Um, but anyway, what do you feel about this, this album? Well, um, were you, had you ever heard of fashion before? Yeah. Uh... Um, I, I know that I've heard the name. Mm. I couldn't tell you that I've heard the music though. In fact, I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never heard any of these songs. Yeah. Yeah. So I was familiar with fashion. Uh-huh. Um, I originally, I got a, um, like a best of IRS compilation. For some reason, I want to say it was volume three, but I don't know for a fact I had it on cassette or I, I lost track of a long, long time ago, but it had um, a a song that of theirs that doesn't appear on any of the albums. Can't find it on Spotify. Called um, "Sodium Pententhal Negative," uh, which I just loved. It was it's just this like scruffy, sharp, really short little punk song at some That's point cool. <laughs> at some point we will definitely listen to it i there's no place for it um for with this episode but i loved it loved it so much and at some point i came across a used copy of one of their other albums i think it was called twilight of idols or something uh-huh. something like that uh i listened to it and i'm like well i guess it's the same band totally different sound like all synthesizer pop hated it and just washed my hands of fashion so coming and listening to this this whole album is like that in that vein i Uh love this album i what what a great pleasant surprise i mean and um i think that you you dialed into the problem with this band is that yeah. like every album it's like a whole new, it's band. A whole new band yeah, yeah. whole new band yeah. um so it'll be um i'm not looking forward to when we get to twilight of the idols although mm-hmm. who knows i might like it now it'll be interesting to hear i think that was their third album yeah it'll be interesting yeah. to hear their follow-up but to me What's what's signif- what m- the high point of this album is the the vocals. Mm-hmm. So knowing that Absolutely. the vocalist is out the door after this album uh, does not bode well because um, it is his vocals that totally hold this whole thing together, uh, which I love. So we have talk talk talk. Let's get to. Um, uh, our picks. So you picked a song called Big John, and I picked a song called Die in the West. So we'll just listen to those back to back. Big John's living in the big above, raising cows, 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 cows. 
find that uh, Big John and Die in the West are two very interesting songs. They're actually my two favorite songs on the album. Mm -hmm. And I think that they both are kind of a good mix of like what this band can do uh, vocally and just musically. And uh, it's, it's sad to know that after this album, Al James is not going to be there. (laughs) So, yeah. um, Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it, it I love this album quite a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just uh, so that was fashion with product perfect, and I'm gonna have to say they're not gonna make it, unfortunately, onto my list. Joseph, mm-hmm. I, I loved it, I enjoyed it, but yeah. Well, it no is surprise. definitely one that I'm gonna come back to um, mm-hmm. when I'm sitting down to start like serious deliberating. It seems unlikely that it's going to make it, but, but I, there is, there is nothing that I dislike about this album. I, I, yeah. I don't think there's any songs that I don't like. I, I'd say they're all like very solid six and sevens and maybe an eight there. I, I really do love um, Die in the West. Okay, moving on to another really nice surprise is the Slits debut album called Cut. Um, they're the biggest hit off of this album, and really their their most popular song is a cover song of uh, <laughs> a, a cover of "I Heard It Through the Grapevine," and you know, not a bad cover. I had a compilation album that had, I heard it through the grapevine, their cover on it. And uh. I never went any further with the slits. Um, I, I, I actually kind of like this this cover. They do some interesting things. I think it's much more successful than most uh, post-punk bands when they try and cover, you know, 60s Motown. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like a bad idea. <laughs> um but but it, it's it's pretty good but not really my uh you know what I gravitate to so I was just never motivated to check them out anymore. I love this album. I think mm-hmm. this album is is um uh, uh a minor masterpiece. I love Every single song on this album, my least favorite is the cover song. Um, it there is so much going on on this album, uh, and I I just I can't stop listening to it. Yeah, I I, I am. <laughs> I mean, it is they they get cited a lot for being um, uh, like the one of the first uh, precursors to the Riot Girl sound, um, mm-hmm. which I never totally connected with, but uh, I can totally hear that. Really, really great 
post-punk deconstruction of of a pop song. I I'm in love with this album. I I really am. What nice. A, what a what a great great discovery for me and I'm bummed that I was not listening to this when I was a teenager. Um how do you feel about it? Well, I actually knew more about the slits when I was mm. in high school. Mm-hmm. And um I always thought they were cool. And it was that Riot Girl sound that really drew me to them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just a sound that I really dig on. And uh, it, it blows me away learning more about the slits that they were pretty much kids. I mean, you know, a lot of these bands were, were really young, but uh, these girls were really young when they started. <laughs> and uh, and I, I don't know. I just, I guess I became surprised by what they could accomplish and, and how they did it. And I became super into them. You know, I just got super uh-huh. into them. Uh-huh. So. Well, you know, uh, my experience the first time um, that I listened to this album was I got, you know, into the first couple of songs and I went, I like mm-hmm. this, but this is going to get old really fast. But mm-hmm. it really doesn't. They do such yeah. a good job about throwing in new because the the vocalist, lead vocalist, she's got her own like quirky thing and she really stays in that lane all the way through but the the song writing the instrumentation the approach they you know makes me think not that they sound anything like the only ones but um i like them in the same way that i like the only ones in the sense that they really find something unique and engaging about each of the songs to keep me engaged. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely an album that I have to have in my mix. And you know, you're talking about how each song is unique. The the two songs that we chose, mine and yours, mm-hmm. both very different songs. Um mm-hmm. but but they still really fit together on this album. So Yeah. You know, yeah. um this so this album, lots of accolades for this album. Mm-hmm. So uh, buckle in, we're going to be here a while. So okay. this is uh, <laughs> Rolling Stone thinks thinks it's the thirty third greatest punk album of all time and the two hundred and sixtieth greatest album of all time overall. Nice. It is the Observer's fifty eighth greatest British album. Fact Magazine's 42nd Best Album of the 70s, NME's 278th Greatest Album of All Time, and Paste thinks it's the 11th Best Post-Punk Album. Ah, nice. Very good. The song that I singled out, uh, actually, I noted what your pick was, and then I purposefully picked... A, a song that was that kind of had a whole different energy to it to yeah. to get kind of a range of of representation on what this album is about is a song called FM. I live in a town with a hundred lights around my head. It's like a radio set. I'm waiting to hear what program is.
you know, I, I had read that Viv Albertine, the guitar player for this band, had only been playing guitar for 18 months. And she was always getting yelled at to the point of her being in tears that she just wasn't getting the hang of it. Finally, she just got so pissed off that she started thrashing and just making a bunch of noise grinding on the guitar. Suddenly she hears over the uh, over the intercom, perfect, you got it, um, which, which kind of informed her of what it was they were looking for. But mm-hmm. I, I, I just find that kind of kind of cool that these young people kind of nailed it. I, I would say that what I find most compelling about this isn't so much the vocals as the music and the instrumentation and the mm-hmm. arrangements. Um, just absolutely, that is what makes this album so compelling for me. Yeah, so really uh, what song did you pick? Well, I picked a tune called The Shoplifting. Put that shit up in me pocket, put the rest under the jacket. Talk to the cashier once I suspect. And if he does, and if he does, called cut i i I think it i pretty sure it's gonna be on my top 10 i i gosh i hope i i i don't know we we might have to make it a top 20 (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh yeah well i'm gonna just jump out there and say it's likely to hit my top 10 It it really is. Uh, I just, I love the energy behind this band. So good. So good. Yeah. All right. Well, there were many more albums released in September of 1979. What were those albums? You are going to have to wait and see because this is where we stop for this episode. So many albums that that we talked about today that we just absolutely had to have two songs from um, most, mostly from albums that we have not talked about before. Um, But, and because of that, I didn't, you know, we didn't listen to a song that I picked off of the ecstasy's album drums and wires. So Absolutely had to jam my pick in somewhere. And so we will go out on that because that's the only slot that we had left. So <laughs> um, one of one of my many, many favorite songs off of this album, the third album by Ecstasy, is a song called When You're Near Me, I Have Difficulty. And um, we will talk to everybody in two weeks. See ya. When you need me, I have difficulty respirating. 
coming up on our next episode, Penetration's Coming Up for Air, Perubu's album, New Picnic Time, Rut's album, The Crack, Susie and the Banshees album, Join Hands, and Iggy Pop's album, New Values. Buzzcocks compilation. We're breaking our own rules because oh, of the Buzzcocks uh, with singles going steady. Sparks's album, Number One in Heaven. Strangler's fourth release, The Raven. And Wire's third release, 154. Why not in me? I have difficult.